And the guy who was checking my passport was like, looked so frustrated and so angry for some reason. And all he, he just looked up and he was like, why would you do this? And I just looked at him and said, what do you mean? He's like, why, why would you do this? He was really upset with me. He seemed really disappointed in me. And looking back, I was disappointed in myself that I didn't catch his disappointment in me. Welcome to The One Up Project. Money is fuel that, that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself and if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Let's do a travel overview. Today we are going to talk about all the things that I did wrong financially when I went traveling, which was a lot. I have a lot to talk about and I do want to remind everyone before we get into this episode that this entire podcast is built on the premise that I don't know shit about anything. Like literally, the I started this podcast because I don't know stuff and that continues to today. Of course, you know, there are lots of things I have learned about money and what to do with it when I'm earning it, but traveling was a whole different kettle of fish, so to speak, and it was the first time I'd ever done something like this. So obviously it came with a lot of mistakes, a lot of learnings, and I am keen to talk to you about all of that. Uh, a bit of context as to what kind of traveling I was doing, I suppose. Bought a one-way flight to Bali, and I ended up also going to Thailand and Singapore in that time. I wasn't intending on like backpacking, but then it ended up kind of being that situation anyway, like moving around in hostels, being in environments where a suitcase should not have been, and spending money at times when I should not have spent it, and just being unprepared pretty much. And I'm the kind of person who, I love the saying, ignorance is bliss for like my own life. You know, I'm more than happy to buy a one-way flight to a country I've never been to, assume I'm going to love it and want to stay there forever and not look back. I am a fan of not planning but having enough that you'll probably be able to figure it out and fall back on your own ability to pull something together if it doesn't work out financially. Like I kind of like, well, I don't know if I like it, but I tend to throw myself in the deep end and just see if it'll work. And just see if I'll sink or swim. I quite enjoy, again, no, I don't think I do enjoy doing that. Because it's often very stressful, but I tend to do that. And maybe it's a bit of a self-sabotage thing where I'm interested in seeing how capable I am. So I think, well, if you're as capable as you think you are, then you should be able to sort yourself out in this situation. And that is honestly the kind of self-talk I have. Like, I will, I will just say, okay, you think you can do this? then show us, like show yourself that you can handle the situation that you're completely unprepared for. And that was a lot of what this traveling experience was. So I was away for just under five months, so four and a half months total, and three countries, and I was in Southeast Asia. So typically a less expensive traveling destination, especially in comparison to Europe, 
but again, I hadn't done any traveling outside of family trips, so I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. How I initially worked out what I was going to need, like budgeting wise, was that I would, I had my accommodation flights, obviously I knew what that was going to be for the first week of accommodation. I hadn't booked anything after that. So I just like averaged out that accommodation across the entire trip, plus looked up a random cafe in Bali's prices and say I got, I, I like added up what three meals would be if I was to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner at that place. And then I just used that as my daily food allowance. And then I had like an activities allowance. And that was basically how I worked out how much I was going to need. But of course, there were a million and one things that I forgot about, didn't plan for, that came up unexpectedly. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to cover the things I did wrong. Then I'm going to talk about the things I did right. And then just random tips that I thought of when I was thinking about doing this episode or that I know were valuable to me when it happened. Things I did wrong. Number one, visas. So the situation with Bali is that usually people just get a 30-day visa, which you can extend once, so you can stay there for a total of 60 days. Costs you around $50 New Zealand and you pay for it on arrival. So when you get there, you pay for your visa. I assumed, well, I'm probably going to be here for six months. So I'm just going to pay extra to get the extended six-month visa and if I want to leave the country you know I can what I didn't realize was that one I'd never been to Bali before so god knows if I was even going to enjoy it and want to stay there for six months two I had already booked flights to Singapore and what I didn't know about this particular visa was that you actually can't leave the country on it so once you leave the country the the visa is cancelled you're cancelled and the visa's cancelled. You can't come back in on the same visa. And so I bought this extra extended visa that cost me more, obviously, because you're intending on staying in the country for longer. And you have to renew it every 60 days. And so I'd spent 60 days almost in Bali. So I needed to go and extend it. But I was going to, uh, I'd spontaneously, I'd spontaneously decided I was going to go to Thailand for three weeks and so I was about to leave for Thailand so I went and renewed my visa because I thought oh, I'll renew it before I go and so went to the visa office did the whole renews, renewals process which is already admin in itself and this was for another 60 days in Bali but I only had around four days before I was leaving for Thailand so I'm at the customs at the like as customs when you leave like the immigration people on departure and the guy who was checking my passport was like, looked so frustrated and so angry for some reason. And all he, he just looked up and he was like, why would you do this? And I just looked at him and said, what do you mean? He's like, why, why would you do this? This visa, it's uh, like, it's only for three days. And I said, yeah, I know I'm coming back. Like this guy, like you idiot, I'm coming back. Do you not understand? Like, this is what I was thinking in my head. And he was like, y what What are you doing? Like, basically just looked, he was, he was really upset with me. He seemed really disappointed at me. And looking back, I was disappointed in myself that I didn't catch his disappointment in me. And so I came back into the country from Thailand. I'd spent my three weeks there. I came back and they were like, cool, so where's your visa? And I said, here it is, you know, paid for it before I left. And they said, no, you can't use this. Like, you're not allowed to leave the country. And I said, what? What do you mean? And 
if you've been to Bali, like they're quite, or it depends what day you go on as to how strict they are at immigration. And this particular day, they were quite serious. And so I ended up having to wait in the airport for ages, like different types of security people were coming over. When really what they, like what they meant and what I needed to be told was that, sis, you've bought a visa and then left the country which you can't do so now you're gonna have to purchase another visa so once we'd we'd communicated that I was so gutted because I'd probably up until this point spent maybe I want to say at least 300 to 400 dollars on this visa and each time you come in the visa on arrival is around 50 New Zealand dollars so I could have spent only a hundred dollars at this point around 100 or just over probably so yeah that that happened and the funny thing is that I bought this visa on arrival but I was only coming back into the country for a week because I had a flight out to Singapore a week later so I paid $50 for this 30 technically 60 day visa used it for a week left the country again came back and had to pay again for a whole other visa on arrival so I I just did not plan my trip well so this is an issue of not understanding how visas work at all the particular visa that I needed and also not planning well so my tip around visas is work out which one you need and make sure that you're not breaking any of the rules based on like the plan of your trip so if you're moving around the country if you're you know, coming in and out, how long you can have it for, how long you're planning on staying, did the dates of your flights match up, like all of those kinds of things. Make sure you have an idea of it so that you're not paying like triple, quadruple the amount of money you need to for visas like I was. In all honesty, I had no idea how visas work because when the only time I've traveled having needed to sort it out myself has been to Australia. And so you don't need a visa to Australia, do you? I don't, I don't remember ever sorting one out, you just show up, and so even though I knew that in Bali you had to have one before going, I was like, oh, well, surely it's just a simple process of you're just paying for the amount of time you want to be there, and if you leave and come back, then it's fine, I just had no idea, so research and preparation is key, you're going to probably see the prep thing as a theme throughout this episode, the next thing I did wrong, oh, yeah, okay, the next thing I did wrong was just leading on from this not really thinking about what is happening (laughs) which sounds very broad and like how how could you possibly do this but again the ignorance is bliss thing definitely didn't help the situation I wasn't prepared in terms of what I was bringing over so because and a lot of this is because I'd never been there before, right? If I if I went back to Southeast Asia, I'd have such a good idea of what I would take, what I would actually use, what I don't need. So of course, all of this is just learning with experience. Things like, first of all, taking a suitcase in the first place. Do not take a suitcase. Do not take your podcast equipment. I don't think many of you will have this issue, but just don't do it. There are certain things you can get in Indonesia that are very accessible that you don't really need to bring from home. For example, like drugs or medication is very much accessible over in Bali and most things are cheaper although girls sanitary products not cheaper so bring those from home but yeah just not really understanding the environment I was coming into and I I suppose this is very much a personal thing but like this is where my 
tip at the end finding someone who has gone before you through YouTube videos, through podcasts, through friends, whatever, is so valuable for knowing those things. The next thing I did wrong was not using Skyscanner or Google Flights. So Skyscanner is like a website that compares different flights and Google Flights is just one of the tabs in the Google search. What they do is compare flights against each other, you know, price, CO2 emissions even, I believe is a part of it, the company, all of those sorts of things. So you can just find the cheapest flight. And I was not using this. I was just going, I was just searching like flights to Phuket or wherever I was going in Thailand. And then I would pretty much buy whichever one was most convenient. I didn't really think about comparing the prices, which Once again, this podcast is born on the premise that I don't know things. And just because I talk about financial literacy doesn't mean that I am always up on the financial literacy play with this stuff. But now I will be. So not using Skyscanner or Google Flights. Making sure you're always using that when you're about to purchase any kind of flights. Things I did right though, and from an accommodation standpoint, I used a website called Agoda. And Agoda, A-G-O-D-A, is definitely the cheapest booking site for accommodation I found. Like a lot of people going through Hostel World, Booking.com, Airbnb, I definitely think Agoda was the cheapest if you weren't going directly to the accommodation themselves or through WhatsApp, which is also usually quite cheap. But I found Agoda was quite often on par with that. And then the other thing that I did really right was using a wise card so this is like an international debit card you can have multiple different currencies on the card and pay in that local currency so instead of paying at a cafe in Bali with my New Zealand debit card and my New Zealand dollars and paying the currency and the transaction fee all in one transaction and then just racking up all these transactions you pay with your wise debit card in Drupaya so I'm paying in local currency I've already converted it over from my New Zealand dollars and I don't get I don't have to pay transaction fees, although in Bali there are pretty much always charges for using card, but they'll always tell you, which is really nice actually, they'll always say there's going to be a 2% charge for card and you're like, okay, but no matter where you're traveling, I think this would be super, super beneficial and Wise isn't the only company that does this, there was a UK one that all the people from the UK were using and I've forgotten, it's like a fluoro pink card. But yeah, there are multiple different companies that do this. In New Zealand has like a one Air One or One Plus points card, I think. That's supposed to be quite good. But if you Google international debit card, all the different options will come up or Wise competitors or something like that if you don't want to use Wise. But I personally used Wise and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super helpful, super easy to navigate you know, pretty good user experience on the app and everything like that. And I would recommend it. Now, just some general tips that I've kind of already touched on, but that I think are really important. The first one is finding someone who has gone before you. This doesn't have to be someone you talk to directly, or that the, although that would be the best, sitting down with someone for a coffee, a call, a Zoom, whatever, and just questioning them on all the different things you have questions about. Don't go into the these catch ups with people and say I just want to hear all the things that you did on the trip that I should know because chances are they're going to forget half of the things 
I would go in with specific questions. So say you listen to this episode, I would then go in and ask the person like, oh, okay, so what did you do for a SIM card? What did you do for your debit card? All of those sorts of things. But it doesn't also have to be directly with another person. If you can't find anyone within your mutual friends has, who has been to the destination you're who has been to the destination you're going to. The other way is through podcasts and YouTube. I listened to a really, really, really good podcast called Bali Insiders before I left that had all sorts of tips, all of the apps I needed to download before I got to the country to know where I was going, like Gojek and Grab, which are the kind of transport or rideshare. They're Uber equivalent, essentially. So all the different apps I needed to live and survive there, they went through, which was so, so helpful. I would just, so if you're looking for advice or tips, I would search on podcasts or on YouTube, you know, tips for Spain or apps to you must have in Spain or traveling tips for Spain, like whatever it is you're doing, I would search it into YouTube or podcasts and just run some of those while you're packing or getting ready or on a walk, or whatever. Also, once you get there, asking locals is, of course, so helpful. I know where I was traveling, all the locals were more than happy to help you in whatever way they possibly could, and usually they'd always have a cousin, or an uncle, or an auntie, or a brother, or a sister, or a friend who did exactly what you needed, and could sort it out for you, and you would just pay them, and it would probably be cheaper than what you were going to pay anyway, and it always worked out really, really well. Going direct through WhatsApp is usually a cheaper way to get accommodation or deals on things. This is in Indonesia. I don't know about other places. But I suppose going direct in general is often better because you're not going through a third party that's taking a cut. Like, for example, going through Airbnb experiences instead of directly to the company or something like that. So being able to have a WhatsApp number or, like I said, ask a local for their cousin or their brothers or their friends number to help you that will be a really good way to get things cheaper and I know in Indonesia you can definitely barter for activities as well this one's kind of annoying but for those who are traveling in a group things are always going to be cheaper when you're traveling in a group I was traveling solo for a big part of the trip and certain things were cheaper actually to be fair but other things are always going to be more expensive like accommodation for example or if you want to do an activity kind of just you or have a private tour or something it's always going to be more expensive when I had friends join me at the end of my traveling we really wanted to go to this island but the ferries were done for the day or we were going to be too late to get on the last boat so we just asked a local if they could take us over and they had like a cousin with a boat and we just paid them like what it was going to cost I think for two of us and then there was maybe seven or eight of us on this boat ended up costing us like half the amount we were going to pay to get on the ferry to go with them so it always pays to ask locals and if you can pull other people along with you if you're traveling solo through hostels it's quite likely you're going to meet lots of people who you can travel with or that are keen to just jump on any trip spontaneously with you as well be open to those sort of interactions and be fluid and flexible in your plans and stay safe of course as well which is really important. Sim cards was an interesting one like an international sim I think is going to work better for you if you're traveling to multiple different countries. If I was to do like a big backpacking session through Southeast Asia like hitting Cambodia and Vietnam and Singapore and Thailand and Bali and 
Malaysia and top of Indonesia and all of that kind like the full thing I would probably just get an international sim so that you're not having to do that every single time you go to a new place makes it easier it's probably going to be cheaper overall and I've heard good experiences from other people I don't know how this would work exactly in a place like Europe for example but I think that it would be worth it to if you can have one sim the whole time rather than have to organize that each time you hit a different country Again, you can just search international SIM card and all of these different companies will come up that you can possibly use. I didn't do this, I just, because I only went to three countries, so I would buy a new SIM each time I entered the country. I was also very unprepared, as you guys can, as you can probably tell by now. The back of my phone case is literally maybe seven or eight SIM cards taped to the back of my phone. It's ridiculous because each time I came back into Bali, I would get a new SIM card as well. So I think an international SIM would work really well. Ultimately, I'm really, really glad that I spent so much money when I was traveling because I didn't hold back. I really took advantage of the entire experience. I made the most of every opportunity and activity. I feel like I didn't miss out on on much. Like there are very few things that I felt I missed out on and would want to go back and do. And I'm just so stoked that I didn't let my fear or guilt around spending hold me back from making the most of an experience that was so important to me now and I think will be one I won't ever forget. Going over as prepared as possible from a budgeting perspective is always going to help you and because I didn't know how long I was going to be there I didn't really have a solid budget. I spent three months preparing for this financially, mentally, physically everything I made a decision I booked the flight and I was gone and I think next time I would give myself a lot more time to prepare to plan out what I was intending on doing and go over with a much more accurate figure for how much money I needed I went over if you're wondering the exact amount I went over with I had I probably had around 20,000 because I had an I had nine thousand dollars in cash that I was prepared to spend and then I also had $10,000 in an emergency fund, which I ideally didn't want to spend, but I ended up spending it because it got to the point where I wasn't really wanting to work and that had been my intention to do some contract work while I was over there, but I didn't really want to do that. I just wanted to have that time to travel and relax and be on holiday. I was also pretty overwhelmed emotionally with how new everything was and how unprepared I felt on the inside and I think that my brain was so scattered I really didn't have the capacity to be doing anything anyway. So if you are wanting to travel to Southeast Asia and you're wondering how much I took over for four and a half months we're sitting around the $20,000 mark. I think it would have been between twenty dollars and $25,000 and you probably you definitely could have spent a lot less than that and you could have spent a lot more than that. I I think I sat kind of in the middle for how much money I spent overall. Okay guys, that's everything for now. If you have any more questions, please do reach out on Instagram and I'm happy to answer. Otherwise, please leave a rating and review. I would really appreciate it and your support of this podcast means the world. I can't wait to see you on Instagram, chat to you there and also talk to you on the next episode. Thanks guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.